Welcome to the Musical Communication Podcast. I'm your host, Marianne Ploger, and during these podcasts, I'm looking forward to being able to explore all aspects of what it is to be musical, whether that is how we can be more musical as musicians or how we can understand why we love music and why we think it's musical or why it isn't. So we'll be exploring everything from how to perform music, how to listen to music, as well as aspects of music perception perception and cognition. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of the Musical Communication Podcast. My name is Karen and I am your host and I am sitting here with your lovely, not your host, I'm your producer. I'm sitting here with your lovely host, Marianne. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. You're all out of it. You know, what can I say? So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I thought today would be maybe useful to talk about proportions. And in that music is all about proportions, I thought this would be probably a good topic. And it's also related to devotion. So we'll, we'll be sort of discussing, I'll be mentioning things about how you proportion your time all the way to how you proportion two pitches mm. <laughs> and two rhythms, okay? So ultimately, I think proportion is so crucial. Mm. We're built relatively proportionately. In other words, imagine if our head was twice as large, okay? <laughs> imagine if one leg were significantly shorter than another. I mean, significantly shorter. Uh, imagine if we only had, let's say, four fingers in one hand and five in the other. It would really change things. It would make it difficult. But most of us, thankfully, are proportioned beautifully. And in fact, as Leonardo da Vinci demonstrated, we're built very much on the kind of the golden section, principles mm -hmm. of the golden section or golden mean. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, if you just take a look at your pinky, you can even see how this is happening in proportion. Your fingertip, if you take just that little fingertip, let's say your pinky finger fingertip, you'll notice that the next joint is almost the same length as that first one. If you're proportioned really well, it's very similar in length. Now what you'll notice is the next joint is going to be the length of those two joints put together. So, and if you take a look at that, now you take your finger and then you take then that plus the sum of that last joint and it'll be approximately the length of your joint, of the last joint in your finger, the one that connects to your hand down to where your wrist is. So that there are all these wonderful proportions or ratios, the golden section. So the Fibonacci series is operating in our body and that we're not all perfectly proportioned. Marilyn Monroe is supposed to have been perfectly proportioned, which is why we're so attracted to her image. But most of us are pretty darn close to that. Hmm. And that's the Fibonacci series. So this was a monk from the 11th century and Fibonacci, a naturalist and a, a very phenomenal mathematician uh, observed this in nature that it, then there is this number series which goes one followed by another one followed by the number two followed by the number you'd probably think of before but it's not it's the number three followed by the number five so if we look at that series what's happening is the first two are equal size one and one and did you notice those two first joints are almost the same size that's also so neat because that's sort of the unison and the octave in music, you know, <laughs> dividing the string into half. And there are two parts that are of equal size to create the octave. And then you go to the next number, it's three. 
And it's actually the, some of the numbers that we had plus put together. So if we have a 1 plus a 2, it equals 3. Then 3 plus 2, which is the preceding number, equals 5. And then 5 plus 3 equals 8. And 8 plus 5 equals 13, etc. So th this is a beautiful number series that is natural. And I think we want to be remembering this as we go forward. Uh, I believe sometimes we think music is all irrational and it's whatever we say it is. You know, well, it's obeying principles that are very, very deep and all related to what Pythagoras knew 500 BC and those ratios, that is proportions between pitches, whether it's one-to-one -one for the octave or, uh, sorry, I just said that wrong. One-to-one -one is a unison, one-to-two, which would be an octave or one-to-three, et cetera, that goes up to the octave, the fifth above the octave, and then on and on and on to form the overtone series. So ultimately this is all about proportion. Mm. The great b cathedral builders understood this. Yeah. The, the Greeks before them clearly understood it. So I think that today we really need to be thinking about proportions a lot because I think maybe we're a little out of touch with proportion. <laughs> yeah, I really love how simply you described all of that. And I hadn't considered that, yeah, we're all pretty proportionate, especially at birth. And then, you know, we, we develop. So how, how does this apply to, to our music, to our musicianship? Oh my gosh, I almost had an accent. Um, and to <laughs> how it, <a> hard word. <laughs> and to how it also affects our development as musicians. Yes. Well, I think that if we were to understand how we are in harmony with nature, <laughs> And whatever is beyond nature, I won't get into that. But so whatever is controlling nature. Uh, but ultimately, if we were to see the beauty of it, we would be much more inclined to use it as a model for our behavior. So ultimately, I find in my own teaching that things are beautiful and highly ordered. But it, they seem chaotic at first, like even the perception of the dichords. It, it seems chaotic as we'll talk about eventually here, the minor third can sound smaller than a major second. Very annoying. Um, but then the perfect fourth can sound smaller than the major third or even the major second. So it's, it seems irrational, it seems to not work, but in, as I would discover in looking deeper, I would find that in fact there's a real beauty in order that's related to the overtone series and the order of the perfect fifths. Okay, mm -hmm. so that those two factors are interrelated in terms of how we're operating. I think it's kind of neat, you know, we have a cochlea. Cochlea is a shell, mm -hmm. and it's a Fibonacci shell. Isn't that fascinating, mm -hmm. you know, that ultimately we have a kind of a shell in our own ear. And that, that I wonder sometimes if that isn't helping to manufacture overtones in our ear. And so that ultimately we're in harmony with these very much deeper things. And we're finding that out a lot in this world, aren't we? I mean, we're finding out how we can't ignore the world. We can't ignore nature. Right. It's going to bite us. <laughs> and yeah. we've gotten along pretty far without having to pay attention to nature. But nature will win. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So ultimately it's through paying attention to beauty, harmony, and order, in my opinion, that we find ultimately 
true harmony. And that doesn't mean everything's nicey-nice, because I don't think that's true. Uh, but ultimately, it has to be proportion. So one of the things I like to say is that really great music is both delicious mm. and nutritious. <laughs> okay. So I think that the sort of new age music, actually healing music, yeah, it is quite wonderful. It is not very engaging. I think most of our performers would say, boring. Okay, very nice for my med- my massage and my therapy, but I'm not sure, maybe meditation mm-hmm. and yoga, but yeah. probably not on the big stage. I, it just wouldn't fly. Okay, <laughs> And I'd say that to a certain extent, that music is intended as a healing music to be more de- sort of nutritious than delicious necessarily. Yeah. But then there's music that's really delicious, and that's that stuff that uh, actually you're not going to hear it on the podcast, but outdoors right now there's a car (laughs) blasting some rather loud uh, music. So uh, ultimately, I think music that's delicious is scintillating. It's tantalizing. It's interesting. It's compelling. It grips us. It, ooh, it's delicious. Yeah. But is it nutritious? Mm. Okay. We all know we love those McDonald's French fries, but are they, and they are delicious, but are they very nutritious? I don't think so. On the other hand, there can be foods that are very, very highly nutritious that, you know, frankly, not that delicious, right. but probably very good for us. We all know about that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I think that ultimately we have that whole... Mm, spectrum from very nutritious but not delicious to very at the very opposite end um, extremely scintillating and very delicious but then everything needs to be you know in the middle delicious Mm -hmm. and nutritious and I think we're talking Bach here we're talking the greatest composers whose music transcends time has transcended time it's a lot to say a piece of music is a hit 300 years after it but that music is being recorded all the time by different artists around the world and appreciated as tremendously high art like Michelangelo's works and da Vinci's works and other great artists, Van Gogh and others. So the ability to transcend time to me is an indicator that it is both delicious and nutritious. So in music, that's what I think we want to try to figure out is how do you do that? Uh, it, it is easy to create very nice music. Um, some of my compositions, uh, my piano music, that is intended to be sort of healing, but I hope a little bit more on the delicious side than just nutritious. But I could be viewed as a little bit too sweet, too nice. And I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you know, when I'm writing it as a berceuse, which is meant to be. He is soothing to a baby and a mom who are rocking together, Parasus. That sort of sense of um, being in a state of peace and joy and excitement. That's all about proportioning things, okay? It's about how one proportions things. So ultimately, this means that as musicians, I hope we increasingly start to, to go for getting both I think that if you go, like with food, too delicious, sometimes it can be make you ill. Yeah. And I do have a feeling sometimes our popular music can be making us ill. You know what? I think sometimes the, the new age music, too much of it mm. can make you ill. 
it's like having food that doesn't have a good balance. We need balance. And all of us, by the way, need different balances. We don't all need the same foods. But again, the best would be proportioned such that those two things are in harmony with one another, that you're obeying natural principles, but at the same time, you're communicating. You're making it exciting enough and interesting enough that people want to pay attention and be consumed by it in the right way. No pun intended here. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so... Yeah, you're asking too about time and how that works and how we proportion our time. Uh, My students will tell you that it's very challenging when they have, my students have fully active lives. They may be parents as well as active performers, composers, conductors, uh, and pop musicians of all sorts, uh, all genre. Uh, they're very busy and it's hard to proportion time you know you've got to take care of this and you got to do that and you got to do that right and what I would say is this as a musician I think we need to be spending time proportionately such that we spend time on things that are going to give us the maximum for the amount of time we spend so I think that that's what we need to be looking for. What is the thing that gives us the most benefit in the least amount of time? And that's been what I've tried to structure in my work, is if we focus on rhythm and on improvisation and we do just a little bit of it every day and we increase our vocabulary every day so that we feel like we're more and more fluent at it, whether it's pitches, dichords, harmonies, uh, rhythms, we're just becoming more and more fluent and more and more... uh, self-expressive and communicative as we do that, then that's what's going to give us the most bang for our buck because it's going to apply to everything else we do in music. Mm -hmm. I don't care what it is. It will enhance your understanding and your confidence and all of those things. So when people say, I'm just so busy because I'm studying a score and it's so big and I have so much to do, it's like, yeah, but what's that going to get you after you studied it? How about just spending 20 minutes on these basic core things that build that piece so that you can understand better what you're doing? Is that not worth it? So that bang for the buck means that you're getting the proportion right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, wow. it's, yeah, it doesn't take much. It just takes awareness and, and, and again, devotion and a, a really attention to be able to maximize that. Yeah. And how do you develop the discernment to know as the seasons of life change and your career changes, like what to proportion? Yeah. I think that we always have to go back to our roots. I think we always have to go back to singing beautifully and in tune and that we always have to go back to nourishing the roots. So as in a great tree, if you do not nourish those roots... (laughs) I don't care what kind of bug spray you put up on there on the top. That's important. (laughs) But ultimately, it's the roots. It's the foundations. Going back to nature, if you will, in music, 12 pitches. Can you recognize them in any octave, in any instrument? And do you know what they mean? And then same with dichords. Only 11 of those guys. Do you know what they are? Do you understand them? Can you understand how they're tuning? Do you understand them? How about rhythms? And just going back to singing modes or... And with dichord numbers, as I try to encourage, and then going back to practicing rhythm for 15 or 20 minutes, spending a lot of time proportionately, eight minutes with rhythm, five of those should be improvising, using the vocabulary to get you in rapport, three minutes reading or writing, 
but that this is just becomes kind of your yoga, your med- musical meditation. Yeah. And in doing that, it's enough. If you want to spend more and you can mindfully, that's going to be proportionately more powerful and will lead you to what we talked about last time, which is this level of excellence. Of course, the more effort and awareness and time that we put into something, the higher the level we yeah. can achieve. But we can all achieve a beautiful level for what our soul desires. Yeah. And how do we get in these situations where we're out of proportion? Because everything you're saying makes total sense. But where where do we feel this urgency to to spend more time and maybe not be as efficient? Or maybe we're checking a box or we've been told that you, you got to learn the score and you got to do it this way and you got to get through it. Like, how do you balance maybe unlearning some of those things? Okay, that's an excellent question. Yeah, I think that uh, the metaphor I like to use is that we need to, let us say, to get to be good at something, we have to make sure that we're paying attention to the right things and not just scrambling. So, you know, I make this metaphor of getting a giant Nerf ball. You, as you are not as old as I am, don't know what that is, but it's like a giant, really light foam ball. I mean, I'm talking about six feet tall. But we have to get it up the top of a grassy hill. We got to get it to the top for it to start rolling on its own so we don't have to keep pushing it up. But what happens is that when people get all busy doing this and that and not getting these core issues, what ends up happening is that basically they get these Nerf balls. I can learn this smaller. I'm going to cram it. Okay. <laughs> what they do is they have about 12 different Nerf balls, the violin part, the, the cello part, the harmonies, the form. They got to yeah. do this. Where do you cue? And they get it, that darn Nerf ball as high as they can before the first rehearsal. But I'm telling you, usually when you have that many Nerf balls to get to the top of the hill because you haven't done the preparation, the result is, guess where it ends up the next day? The Nerf ball is at the bottom of the hill. Yeah. So it's we don't complete or become fluent at anything. We just keep pushing because that's the only thing we know. Mm. What do we end up with? I This is... I'm taking a risk saying this, but it's the truth in my experience, just for what that's worth. Most of us, by the time we get done with music school, have about 2,000 Nerf balls at the bottom of the hill, none of them having gotten to a place of fluency and ease. Yeah, believe it. And so all we do is we keep that habit up. We just keep, well, I didn't get to fluency with that Mahler. I just kept pushing it up the hill as far as I had to to survive. And then I go on to the next thing. And of course, the Nerf ball falls to the bottom of the hill. And then luckily you get to go back to learn that symphony. But how many times have we absorbed it? And again, it's because our foundations are weak, in my opinion, is that if we have those 12 pitches and 11 die chords and we can read the score, and it's not that hard to do, believe me, folks, um, but it's just lots of tracks. People are dealing with that all, all the way, all the time down the road here uh, with tracks, you know. So uh, all of us end up just scrambling instead of getting solid at those elements such that, ah, look how Mahler's doing that. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that part, I can memorize it. I can memorize it because I can see the patterns and forms because I understand about how music is constructed, how Mahler does that. Mm. And I can get that to the top of the hill fairly quickly. This is what the great musicians do. The great musicians know how it works. They don't just keep scrambling. They know how the music works. Yeah. And do you think that this is an illusion of 
what we consider time to be? Like, do we just feel like we're running out of time or, or where does that come from? I think that's a lot of it, Karen. Um, so that's thing. Can we just slow ourselves down? You know, can we just be present and simple? Because it's actually simple underneath. So can we just slow ourselves down to, to truly listen? Like we were talking about in our last episodes, you know, this whole thing of being able to become more present. <laughs> uh, but we get in such a scramble that we're panicked. We think that if I, if I waste this 20 minutes, I'm not going to come out with anything. Right. But you know what? You're practicing in a panic mode, or you're probably not going to get much out of that practice that you're doing for four or five hours on that model. I'll get you through, but I bet you I could play something, one of the parts, and you won't know I've played it wrong. Yeah. Because you're unable to go quickly to a more fluent level of comprehension. I'm reading Shakespeare, but I'm having to look up every other word. How long is that going to take you? <laughs> Rather than learning English, for goodness sake. You know? Yeah. That's an amazing example. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and to think that we live this way without yeah. realizing, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. I've had so many students opt for that and eventually realize this is not working. And I'll say you Damn right, it's not. Let's quiet the mind. Let's have, you know, let's go, let's put things in proportion. Let's care about things that are really important, not your career and just getting up there and not making a mistake. Rather, let's care about the music and let's care about the listener <laughs> and let's care about listening to ourselves and understanding what we need to do. And uh, 20 minutes a day? hugely efficient way of spending your time. Oh my gosh. That's so good. I don't think we need to say anything else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely magical and amazing and your usual mic drop moments. So oh, thank so you, Marianne. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> so oh my gosh. Thank you for all of your wisdom and just honesty and transparency and, and generosity. Like this is so, so generous of you to, to do this on a public forum. Well, and thank you for asking such excellent questions and being the person you are. Oh, thanks, Marianne. And thanks, y'all, for listening um, and for being here. Um, as always, feel free to shoot us a message if you have any questions or thoughts for Marianne. Um, please give us a review on Apple Music if you think of it. Um, just head over to wherever you listen to your podcast. You can give it five stars and just write us a little blurb so that more people can find us. And thanks again for, for listening. Bye.